Chapter Four of Pond and Stream by Arthur Ransom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: Lake and River. One month in every year, the imp and the elf and I go to stay in a farmhouse close by the shores of a lake that is bigger than the biggest pond you have ever seen. Out of the lake flows a river that is bigger than the biggest stream but when we go there we always feel very much like we do when we go over the common to the duck pond or follow the beck from the woodland to the valley only now instead of lying on the bank at the side of the water we go in a boat and row out with the water lapping round us it is as if we were in an enormous ship of our own and quite safe for the boat is so broad in the beam that not even the imp or the elf could tumble out if they tried of course we are pirates and sir francis drake and vikings and other sea rovers from time to time i often find that i have been a villainous pirate mate when for all i knew i had been peaceably reading a book in the stern and we none of us know when we set out in the morning what manner of gay adventures we shall fashion for ourselves upon the water but if i were to tell you about all that i should have no room left in which to write of the water folk and that would never do this is a chapter mainly about the lake things and they are very like the pond and stream people only bigger you remember the little eels we used to find in the stream clustered like massing black hair below the stones in the running water often when we are floating on the lake where the bottom is sandy and not so deep that we cannot see it from the boat we look over the gunwale and see long brown slimy eels with silver bellies twisting along the ground below sometimes we drop a worm exactly over an eel and watch it fall like a curling coral in the water until the eel shoots at it and gulps it in eels are really very like water snakes but they are fish with fins just like the trout and funny little snout heads that makes us think of pike pikes are the ugliest and wickedest looking of all the fish big and hungry they are with evil eyes and long snouts and mouths set full of teeth that point back down their throats so that if a little trout or a hand once got inside it has not much chance of escape the pike lie under the thick weeds round the shores of the lake and among those rushes that rise out of the water like a forest of green spears then when a shoal of big minnows or small perch float by the pike darts out and there is one perch or one minnow the less in the frightened shoal of little fish pike do not like perch very much because a swallowed perch means a sore pike for those gray perch with their scarlet fins and golden bodies barred with olive green are not defenseless at all the fin that runs down their backs is built on firm sharp spikes that they can lift when they want and no perch is mild enough to let himself be swallowed without lifting his spines and tearing the throat of the swallower as we row on down the lake watching the reflection of the boat rocking in the ripples and the reflections of the hills and the trees on the shore of the lake we sometimes hear a long whistling cry and a curlew swings high over our heads from one side of the valley to the other like a pendulum bob without a string his long curved beak stretched out far before him 
and sometimes when the weather is going to be stormy we hear a shrill shriek repeated again and again and see a white cloud of seagulls lift from the marshy shores and flap away and back and settle again and more than once we have seen wild duck and a drake in a gorgeous shimmer of color fly across the marshland by the head of the river halfway down the lake there is a little rocky island where we have often seen the yellow wagtails and on a promontory opposite a kingfisher has his nest in a deep hole in the rock we row the boat close up to the nest and look at the pile of fish bones outside the hole the kingfisher is a fisher as well as a king and lives on the fish that he catches it is fine to see him fly across in the sunlight from the rock to island from the island to the rock just like a rainbow without any rain as the elf says for he is the most gaily colored of the birds because he is a king says the imp and indeed his kingly robes are very splendid blue and green and red and white and orange as fine a cloak for a monarch as you could wish to see there is another fishing bird whom we are always glad to see he is bigger than i do not know how many kingfishers put together and though he is not brightly colored he is very beautiful he is a heron and herons are like the storks of hans andersen's fairy tales he is a gray bird tall and thin with a black crest lying back from the top of his head his legs are long and he is fond of standing on one leg by the edge of the water or on a stone at the end of some promontory tucking the other leg up in the air and watching the water with his head on one side ready at any moment to dive his long beak into the lake and snatch a little fish out of it when he flies he crooks his long neck back on his shoulders and hangs his legs straight out behind so that it is impossible not to know him when you see him in the little harbor where our boat is kept there are often so many minnows that when we look into the water it seems as if the bottom were made of moving tiny fish people who are going to fish for perch often catch the minnows dozens at a time in nets in their boathouses when the water is shallow and the minnows swim up into the shadows of the boats and there are caddises here too if we choose the right places to look for them as we walk down through the fields from the farm to the boathouse the imp and the elf leaping for joy in themselves and the sunshine and the cool wind and the blue hills we plan what we shall do with the day and where we shall go and whom of the lake people we shall try to see and one morning or other as we leave the farmyard the imp cries out i say ogre isn't to-day the day for a picnic down the lake and the elf says yes say yes ogre do and in three minutes we are all as happy as pioneers arranging an expedition after lunch we start and by that time the sandwiches are cut and the bun loaves and the marmalade and the tea hot and corked up in a bottle and the mugs and everything else are all packed into two baskets by the jolly old farmer's wife and we go off together the imp and the elf carrying one basket between them while i carry the other 
we run the boat out of the boat-house and when we have settled down the elf and the baskets in the stern and the imp lying flat on his stomach in the bows we slip away down the lake rippling the smooth waters and leaving long wavelets behind us that make the hills and trees dance in their reflections we glide quietly away down the lake looking up to the purple heather on the moors and the dark pine woods that run right down to the water's edge and watching the fishermen rowing up and down trailing their lines behind them or casting again and again over the waters of the little rocky bays that break up the margin of the lake that is one way of being interested in the water people to want to catch them on a hook at the end of a line but it is not our way we think of the water people as we think of the fairies as of a strange small people whom we would like to know we row down the lake lazily and slowly past rocky bays and sharp-nosed promontories and low points pinnacled with firs the hills change as we row at the end of the lake they are rugged and high with black crags on them far away but lower down the lake they are not so rough there are fewer rocks and more heather and the hills are gentler and less mountainous until at last at the foot of the lake they open into a broad flat valley where the river runs to the sea a little more than halfway down there is an island that we can see a green dot in the distance from our farmhouse windows and here we have our tea we run the boat carefully aground in a pebbly inlet at one end of the island we take the baskets ashore and camp in the shadow of a little group of pines there is no need to tell you what a picnic tea is like you know quite well how jolly it is and how the bun loaf tastes better than the finest cake and the sandwiches disappear as if by magic and the tea seems to have vanished almost as soon as the cork is pulled from the bottle as soon as tea is over we prowl over the rockiness of the little island and creep among the hazels and pines and tiny oaks and undergrowth do you know trees never look so beautiful as when you get peeps of blue water between their fluttering leaves when we have picked our way through to the other end we climb upon a high rock with a flat top to it and heather growing in its crevices and here we lie torpid after our tea and pretend that we are viking folk from the north who have forced our way here by land and sea and are looking for the first time upon a lake that no one knew before us the imp tells us a story of how he fought with a red-haired warrior and how they both fell backwards into the sea and how he killed the other man dead and then came home to change his wet clothes long long ago in the white north and the elf not to be beaten has her own story too how she rode on a dragon one night and saw the lake this very lake far away beneath her like a shining shield with a blue island boss in the middle of it and how the fiery dragon flapped down so that she could pick a scrap of heather from the island and how here was the very heather that she picked and then i tell them stories too of the old times when the great fires were lit on the crests of the hills as warning signals to people far away and so the time slips away and we suddenly find that we are ready to row on again to have just one peep at the river all round the low end of the lake there are tall reeds growing and bulrushes 
and there is soft marshy ground that makes damp islets among the reeds as we row down we are nearly sure to see one or two big white birds with proud necks swimming slowly along the reeds sometimes we have seen them rise into the air with a great whirring of wings and splashing of water and then sink again on the surface of the lake beating up a long mane of foam as they fall these are the swans and on one of the islets in the reeds they have a nest more than once when i have been here earlier in the year i have seen the mother swan sitting white and stately on her home and then the little grey cygnets break out of the eggs and swim with their parents looking so fluffy and dirty and odd that the imp and elf can hardly believe that some day they will turn out to be tall swans like the big white birds they love who swim through the water like the ships of a fairy queen the river flows away out of the lake through a broad opening in the reeds we row in there and then let ourselves drift just guiding the boat with gentle strokes of the oar until we leave the reeds behind us and move on the running river between green banks thick with bush and rough with rocks here on the banks we sometimes see the remains of a dead fish half pulled to pieces we know what that means the otter says the imp and we stare about with eyes wider than before doing our best to imagine in every stir in the bushes or under the banks that we can see his dark body like a beaver for he can swim in the water and dive like a fish and run along the bank as well but we have never seen him though we know that he is there and otters are growing fewer and fewer every year men and women with dogs come to hunt them and kill them some day there will be no otters left at all we wait in the river till the evening and then we set out to row the long way back again as we row up the river into the lake again we can see the trout rising in big circles of ripples and hear the piots screaming on the marshland it is odd how we seem to notice sounds at evening that we should not at other times everything seems so quiet that little noises seem to matter when we hear the frogs croaking we do not think how loud they are but only how silent is everything else it is evening now when we row round the promontory at the low end of the lake and already we are wondering if we shall get home before the owls begin to call long ago the imp and the elf should have been asleep in bed the lake is very still and the sky is less brilliant than it was the sun has dropped below the hills and their outlines are clear against the rose of the sunset the imp and the elf say nothing but listen for the night noises and watch the sky working its miracles in colour this evening is a new dream world for them and they are wondering whether the water people are awake or asleep there never is a time when everything goes to bed is there says the elf sleepily as we lift her out of the boat and as the two of them go off to bed very happy and very very tired we can hear the long grrr of the night jar in the pine woods up the hills and below us in the woods at the head of the lake two owls are answering each other end of chapter four